You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14. Church, I'm tired. And uh, it's been a crazy week, full week. And uh, I want to keep things simple and easy for you tonight. Just do a little Bible study and then we'll go home. Um, I told you this morning I was going to preach eight messages in one. Usually like what, what, what I like to do is just find a passage and focus on that passage and bring one truth out of it. Um, I, I don't usually preach topical messages, I guess you would say. Uh, but I have eight points tonight that I want to give, give to you to try to answer this question. What does I'm in mean? So we preached last week on Gideon, and I'll remind you of that in a little bit. And the message was entitled, I'm in. I'm in for the battle, but what does that look like? What does that mean? Jesus had a great following at this time. Uh, In verse 25, you see, there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, He cannot be my disciple. Now, we understand he's not telling people, look at your wife and say, I hate you. But let's also not tone down his language so much that we miss what he is truly saying. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He doesn't say you cannot be saved. He says, you cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, this is very interesting, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. So what do you have here? You have a king who is waging war, and before he does that, sits down and realizes, okay, I have 10,000, he has 20,000, and yet he's still wanting to wage war. This is still a battle that he wants to fight. Or else, while the other is a great way off, yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage or an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. Wait a second. Even though this king is outnumbered two to one, if you sit down and you plan and you project what's going on, you might still be able to win that battle rather than making peace with an enemy that you never wanted to make peace with. So likewise... Whosoever whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. 
Lord, bless the preaching of your word and bless your people. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, I tried this last week to pass some time in my hospital room by watching some chess videos. And I've always enjoyed the game, and I know the, the pieces that move and everything like that. Um, but I've never really gotten deeply into it, never really understood you know, the tactics and the strategy of it all. Always been fascinated by people who can see moves ahead and everything. So I found this one guy on YouTube, and I was, I was watching him, and he had a beginner course and an intermediate course and, a, and an advanced course. He's a, he's a grand master, I think, is what it is. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll start with the intermediate. You know, nice and easy, because I'm not a beginner. And within the first three minutes of the video, and pe people are moving, he's actually playing people online, and he's just talking through his mind and everything. And somebody would move a pawn and be like, okay, so he just moved, he just moved this pawn to e3, which means I should probably answer with c4. If I don't do c4, then he's, he's going to come knight to f2, which is going to put pressure on my rook, which is on this, and blah, 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 blah. And it was just all over my head, <laughs> completely over my head, right? Now, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. Now, there were people who watched that that understood it because they had taken the time before to invest and to study the game and to say, I want to get better at this whole chess thing to where he was speaking on their level. He was speaking completely over my level. Will I get there someday? Yeah, if I study and if I make chess my life. What I'm trying to bring out here is I'm gonna be saying a lot of things that are gonna go over your head, but the people who are determined to be in, it will, res it will resonate with you. The people who have said, I want to make this my life, this will make sense to you. Those who are just kind of in this, just to be kind of, but you're not all in, it's not going to resonate, okay? It's going to go over your head. Maybe you're just beginning at this and you're thinking, what in the world is he talking about? I promise you, there is a reason, there is a purpose for it all. And the question is, are you in or are you out? And if you say, yes, I am in, what does I'm in mean? And last week, we saw the story of Gideon. And he fought a physical battle. We fight a spiritual battle. And his physical battle started with 32,000, and it ended with 300. 32,000 who said, at one point, I want to be a soldier, and only 300 through the purging process that stayed in. Many want victory until they realize what victory, what victory means and what the battle means. And what the battle means is what we saw last week is three different things. It means fear. You will face things that will make you afraid. It means focus. You can't be half in, half out. And it means faith. God will make you rely on him. He will make you rely on him. I don't care how fancy your sword is and how great your spirit skills are. He, he will tell you, put them down. Put them down and you're going to do this my way. You cannot have victory without those three things. And only those who are willing to continue fighting in spite of their fear and who are willing to focus even when it costs sacrifice and who are willing to have faith even when it does not make any sense at all only those are in and will see victory. 
But then let's get practical. What does being in look like? Is it raising your hand? I'm in. It's got to be more than that. I just, I just read my devotions yesterday. The very same people who told Nehemiah in an earlier chapter, let us rise up and build, two chapters later said, we cannot build the wall because there's rubbish and there's enemies. The very same people. So it's more than just saying I'm in. It's more than just raising your hand. It's more than just a dogged determination inside to not quit. It's more than coming to an altar and making some decision or filling out a decision card. There are changes to be made if you're in. There are plans to be drawn up and implemented. There are people, places, and things to be forsaken. And there are people, places, and things to be reverenced and to replace those things that you have forsaken. And Jesus taught this vast multitude that's following him. He didn't turn around and say, I'm so glad y'all are here. He turned around and he asked, why are you here? And what he said is being in is going to require more than just following me physically. It is going to require, in verse 26, forsaking family and friends. It's going to require that. There's no getting around it. Verse 27, it is going to require persecution, pain, and self-denial. That's what a cross is. It is going to require, verse 28 through 30, planning and perseverance, like a man planning on building a tower. It is going to require, verse 31 and 32, being outnumbered and yet determined to fight. Like that king who had 10,000 going up against 20,000. You either find a way to make your 10,000 work or you're going to send or you're going to make peace with the enemy. Are you still in, Jesus said, when you realize that being in requires forsaking all that you have, requires forsaking family and friends, requires in picking up your cross, forsaking self-preservation and self-will, and requires forsaking carelessness and ease. People don't build a tower through carelessness and ease. And it requires forsaking compromise and comfort with the enemy. It requires that. Now, maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you don't believe that it requires forsaking family and friends because your family and friends are here. You're sitting next to your wife. You're sitting next to your mom and your dad. And you're sitting next to your best friends in the world. And they're here and they're serving the Lord with you. So you don't, I've, I've chosen to be in and I haven't had to forsake family and friends. First of all, let me say that is not the case for everybody. There are plenty of people here who in choosing Jesus Christ had a spouse leave and had a mom and dad say, if you're going to follow that cult or whatever you're going to do, you're not going to have anything to do with this family or had friends who came up and said, why don't you run with us anymore? And why don't you do this anymore? Is it because you think that you're better than us? There, if your family and friends are here, count it a blessing. My wife is here. 
and I am so thankful that I am able to serve the Lord together, but I forsook her a long time ago. Now, let me explain this. Let me explain why. The only reason my wife is here in church is not because I've chosen her. It's because she has also chosen Jesus as I have chosen Jesus. That's the only reason that, I, that we are here together. It's not because she's chosen me. It's not because I've chosen her. We've both forsaken each other as far as that's concerned, which means if tomorrow she said, I do not want to live this life anymore and you have to choose between me and Christ, I already made that decision. Now, I'm glad she made that decision also. But I'm following Jesus, the world behind me, the cross before me, though no one join me, still I will follow. Amen. If your wife and your spouse is here, so Jesus isn't going home and saying, divorce, divorce. And he's also not saying, if that's what it takes, be willing to turn on your family. No, he's saying it, it takes it. It requires it. You must love me more than them. And what Jesus is trying to bring forward is, why don't you decide now? Why don't you decide now what you're going to do so that when the time comes to decide, you've already decided and you don't have to decide. And he had a vast multitude of people following him. And you know what? You're here tonight. Nobody, is make, nobody has made you come here tonight. Unless maybe you're a child and your parents said, you're going. Which, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Praise the Lord for parents like that. But nobody is making you come here. You are not here by force any more than those people were there by force. They chose to get up and put on their sandals and their tunic and, and go out and follow the Lord. And I am joyful that you are here, as I'm sure the Lord found joy that people were following him and listening to his words. Because he saw an opportunity to minister. But I'm also concerned about the people who are here, as Jesus was concerned about the people who are here, because he wanted to know, do you understand fully what following me entails? Are you still in, even though it requires forsaking all in order to have me? A preacher said about this uh, passage, what Jesus was teaching, Men in other things act with prudence and forethought. They do not begin to build without a reasonable prospect of being able to finish. They do not go to war without the prospect and belief that they can be victorious. So discipleship is a work of soberness, of thought, of calm and fixed purpose. And no man can properly enter into it who does not resolve by the grace of God to fulfill all its requirements and make it the business of his life. Here's another one. We are to expect difficulties in discipleship. It will cost us the mortification of our sins, a life of self-denial, not just a day here and there, a conflict with our lusts, and the enmity and ridicule of the world. Perhaps it may cost us our reputation or possibly our lives and liberties and all that is dear to us, but we must cheerfully undertake all this and be prepared for it all if we are to be his disciple. Here's another one. If you do not deliberately resolve to leave all things, to suffer all things that may be laid on us, and to persevere to the end of our days in the service of Christ, you cannot be his disciple. If you come not with a full purpose to always be a Christian, you will not be a Christian always. 
If you mean not to persevere by the grace of God through all hazards and trials and temptations, if you are not willing to bear your cross and meet contempt and poverty and pain and death without turning back, you cannot be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. My goodness. The last preacher said this, every man who becomes a follower of Jesus should calmly and deliberately look at the consequences of such a decision and prepare himself to meet them. So that is what we're going to do tonight. Have you counted the cost of discipleship? What does it mean when you say, Lord, I'm in? What does that look like? I want you to write down eight words, if you can. If anyone needs a pen. Anyone? Anyone? You all got pens? Good, good. There you go. Share one with another. I want you to write down eight words. I'm going to give them all to you at the beginning. And as I give you these words, I want you to do examine yourself. I want you to ask as I give you these words, because I think they're, they're all one word. And I want you to ask, am I doing these? Word number one, read. That's what it, hey, if that's what it requires to be in, how are you doing with that? Number two, pray. How are you doing with that? If those two things were the only things that were required to be in, would you be in? Number three, attend. Number four, obey. Number five, give. Number six, witness. I feel like I'm giving you a spelling test. <laughs> Number seven, love. Number eight, die. Let me ask you, church, and those are just the eight that I could think of. I could, I could throw out a lot more. But the eight that I believe the Holy Spirit has for us, if those eight things are what we're required to be in, and I gave the invitation right now, based on an examination of your own life, are you in with those eight things? Think of the change that would need to come in your life with those eight things. But then let me shock you. Even if you did all eight of those things, you would not be in. It takes more. Now we're going to go back through, and we're going to get a little bit more specific with these eight. It's not just read. It's not just read. Read daily. 
If you're in, read daily. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, no, no. I got distracted. No. Does that mean I'm not a church member? Yes, you are. It just means you're not a disciple. Read daily. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We feed our faces. How often do we skip reading our Bible? Church, I don't care if it's a verse. You can't read a chapter a day. You're not a disciple. Read daily. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I guess you're disqualified, or I guess you don't have to read the Bible if you're going to lock yourself in your closet and turn off your, turn off your brain for the day and not make any decisions. Then I guess you don't need a lamp and you don't need a light. But if you're alive and moving, you need to read. And you need to read daily. The entrance to thy word giveth light. No, I'm sorry. The entrance of thy word giveth light. And that's not just talking about the, the word entering us. That's talking about us entering into the word. <coughs> thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. Where's Sam? That was a good prayer, Sam. Meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, and then thou shalt make their way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And beyond reading, we should study. I've had a lot of people ask, how do you study God's word? Church, it's not hard. It's really not hard. Reading God's word is what does it say? Studying God's word, when you read God's word, you're asking what does it say? What does it say? When you study God's word, you just change that, that question just a little bit. What does it mean? And as soon as you ask, what does it mean, you're studying God's word. I had somebody come up to me a couple weeks ago, and I asked them, how are you doing on your Bible reading? I've gotten behind. And I was about to get onto him, but they said, I've gotten behind because I found this one passage, and it's just so good. I had to slow down. You fall behind all day, sister. I, I really do not care. That is studying God's word. That's good stuff. Amen. When you're writing and, and you're highlighting and you're flipping back and forth, read daily. I'm amazed at how many people who claim to be in don't read their Bible every day. That will catch up to you. There was a preacher who used to pastor a church running over five or 600, I believe. Within a year, he fell into sin with a woman. His wife left him. Family went, family went crazy, kids all out into the world, saw dad as a hypocrite, and they ran. He got right, he repented and came back, and a friend asked him one day, what, where did it all start, what happened? And he said, I, I've, I've thought about that over and over and over again. And it started off so small and so innocent. And the next thing you knew, I was, I was in a place I never wanted to be doing things that I never thought I'd be doing. 
He said, it sounds silly, but the only thing I can go back to that started my slip is I woke up one morning and convinced myself I didn't need to read my Bible. It started there. Read daily. Do you have a desire to read daily? I don't. But I do. You have to fight it. Do you have a time? Have a time and a place where you go, turn off your dumb phone, silence the notifications, and get alone with God's word. Number two, pray. Don't just pray. Pray fervently. Pray fervently. It's not about the length of your prayers. It's about the strength of your prayers. Yes, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing, which tells me four things. Pray, pray again, pray more, pray always. Absolutely. The biggest mistake you can make with prayer is not praying. So pray. It doesn't have to be this long, elaborate thing. Just, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's prayer. Lord, I just got this email. I don't know what to do with it. Please give me some wisdom. That's prayer. Do you know why we've seen people saved week, we've seen people saved weekly over the past month? And a lot of people saved. Do you know why we've seen people join the church? You know why we've seen miracles of healing? With Miss Karen? She was down for a while. We need to pray for Brother Frank and Miss Tammy. They're, they're not feeling well. Do you know why we've seen peace in the midst of storms and financial victories throughout all of this? We just had some random person come up to me and say, hey, we do some work with floors, and I can do it at this amount per, this amount per square foot. And then I go back to our general contractor and say, how much is the current person that we're doing? And it's twice as much. So we're saving all that money. Why does that happen? Prayer. That happens because of prayer. One of you just said to me yesterday, our church will never see growth without the great I am. And that is so very true. My answer to that, my response to that would be, we will never have the great I am without prayer. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But, but, here's my point with this. Let's do away with the prayers that we pray just to pray, so that when we're done praying, and we get up from our knees, and if somebody were to ask us, what were you just praying for, you wouldn't be able to answer. This disorganized, kind of just shotgun, oh, yeah, Lord, help with this, and Lord, help with this, and Lord, help with this. I think the Lord would rather us take just a little bit to pray about one thing rather than just all these things that we don't really care about. Let's do away with that kind of prayer. Perhaps other people can get away without praying fervently, but not those who are in. And tell me, those who want to be in, compare your time over this past week praying fervently to the time you spent on social media. The time you spent praying fervently compared to the time you spent gossiping or even talking about politics or, move, or watching movies or doing all that, how would it compare? And this has got to be more if we are going to be in. If you're in the battle, you have got to know how to communicate with the commander. 
He must know your voice and you must know his. Does he know your voice? And when you speak, does he say, oh, this is the casual one? Or does he say, this is the one that always wants to get something? Number three, attend, but attend faithfully. Attend faithfully. If you're in, there will be times even when reading daily and praying fervently where you will be confused and you will be discouraged and you will be distracted and you will be shaken and you will be wounded. Even though you are praying daily or reading daily and praying fervently. And God knew that that time would come. So he gave us a place. He gave us a place where the confused could be taught and where the discouraged can be encouraged and the distracted could be warned and the shaken could be settled and the wounded could be healed. That's why I get a little, here's my word again, perturbed at so-called churches that do not teach the confused and do not encourage the discouraged, and do not warn the distracted, and do not settle the shaken, and do not heal the wounded. Because that is what this is for. And while many, especially today, have convinced themselves that they don't need the church, those who are in this battle daily are gonna be in their places here whenever the doors are open. Maybe that seems weird to you. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sometimes that's not even enough for me. We need to be in. We need to be faithful. Hebrews chapter 10. And I think I'm just going to stop here, honestly. And we'll come back to this next week. I'd rather take our time than rush through something and give you, give you things to think about. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Oh my goodness, how, many, how much preaching is, the, is in there? Okay, so the day of atonement, right? The day of atonement, the high priest could go into the holy of holies, the holiest place. And he went in there with boldness because there was a procedure to follow before that would atone for his sins. On the day of atonement, he would go into the holy of holies twice. The first time he would go in, he would, sang, he would atone for his sins and the sins of the tabernacle. And then he would come back out and he would come back in and he would atone for the sins of the people. But the high priest had bells around the bottom of his robe and a rope tied to his foot because you could not go into the Holy of Holies with sin in your life. God would strike you dead. Leviticus chapter 10 teaches us that with Nadab and Abihu who offer strange fire and the Lord smites them dead. 
And they probably had a time getting them out of the Holy of Holies, so they thought this time, uh, just so you know, if you screw up, we'll hear you cha-ching, 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 whoomp. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and they just pull them out because they can't go in. But the high priest on the Day of Atonement, if sacrifice was made, if blood was shed, with shedding of blood is remission of sins, he could go behind the veil and he wouldn't... He would say, I'm, I'm clean in the eyes of God. I, could go, I can go in and I can do what I need to do. Now today in the New Testament... Says you have a priest, you have a high priest in Jesus Christ who opened the veil and you can go in boldly just like that other high priest went in. You don't have to, oh Lord, I'm praying again. No, 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 no. Because you are saved, you have boldness to go into the holiest, into his presence. But wait a second, because we have that, because we are saved. That's all he's saying in verse 19 through 21 in a very beautiful way. Because you are saved, let us do more. Let us do more. And he starts by saying this, let us draw near with a true heart. We have boldness to come into his presence. Don't just sneak into the back of the room and hi. He says, come closer, come closer. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Because you are saved, we want you to come closer. We want you to hold fast what you believe, and we want you to help one another in order to do that. Now, what is the best way to do that? What is the best way to do that? Verse 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I have given you a place because even though you are saved and even though the invitation for you to draw near is there, you're going to have the temptation to stay away. And even though I command you to hold fast, you're going to have some times where you're holding on pretty lightly. And you're going to need somebody to provoke you. You know what that word means? Sharpen. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And the thing about that, I, I, have, I have a knife from Brother Danny, just used it today. And I have a sharpening steel. And when I put those two next to each other, I am damaging both. I'm removing material from both. And God says, if you're going to draw near, if you're going to hold fast, and if you're going to provoke one another, you need to be in a place filled with people who are willing to damage themselves and even hurt you if it means helping you stay in this. And that's why he died. When he died, he died for the church. So this whole idea of I don't need church, you're negating the cross. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Every day the doors are open, be here. And when you come here, don't be distracted by ministry. Brother Mark is our, is our head usher and Miss Maria is our nursery superintendent. 
and Brother Danny is our music ministry leader. And Brother Danny counts on people to be up here in the choir. And uh, Miss Maria counts on you ladies to be there for the nursery. And Brother Mark counts on you men to be here ushering. But I think he'd understand if you were to come up to him or you were to go up to her and say, you know, it's been a while since I've just been able to sit in a service and focus on the preaching. Maybe I can't do that today, but could you give me a break in my schedule coming up where I can focus on the preaching so I can be fed? So I get, I get bothered when people come to church and it looks like you're looking for a way to be distracted. Now, I like having a ministry mindset. I am here for others, but there's a ditch on both sides of the road, okay? I don't want you to just come and sit and be a bump on a log and only think about yourself. But at the same time, if you are not going to put your oxygen mask on first, you're not going to be able to help many others put theirs on. You have to be fed yourself. Best illustration that I have of that right now that just came into my mind is what y'all always tell me. Preacher, you need to take care of yourself. And you need to rest. And you need to eat. And you need to sleep. And you need to this. And you need to that. And you need to put the axe down. And you need to this. <laughs> and church, you're right. You're right. And I don't want to come across selfish. I don't want to come across lazy. I don't want to do any of that. But you're right. I've got to find a balance in being able to be fed as well so that I can feed you. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep during service. If you need to stand in the back, stand in the back. And God bless you men who work 60, 70 hours a week. And then you come and you minister and you have ministries. I would, frankly, I'd rather you here in the pew falling asleep than at home falling asleep. Stay awake if you can. Do all that you can for that. Catch up when you miss and hate every time you miss. Hate every time you miss. I'll end with this. How many of you can look back at a message? It doesn't have to be here. How many of you can look back at a time when you were in a church service where your life was changed? Your life was changed because of a preaching message or, or maybe even a song that was sung, something like that. Let me ask you this. What would your life look like today if you had missed that service? And then let me ask you this. How many sins are you still struggling with because you missed the service that would have helped with it? We can't help the past. But we can say, I'm in. Okay, what does that mean? To begin with here, we got through three out of eight. Read. Just read? No, read daily daily. Pray? Just pray? No. Pray fervently. And what does that look like? Probably means getting a list. Probably means writing some things down. Focusing a little more on your prayer. And attend and attend faithfully. No more of this, oh, well, we, we went then, we can miss now. And No, 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 no. Church is open. We're going. We're going. Do you want to see victory? You will. I promise you, you will. If you do these three things, we'll go to the next five next week. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. 
For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.